Sometimes you have to forge your own path. That's what I learned today in sitting down with Jackson Mitchell. This is episode 195, and you're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. Jackson is a former SMU college football player who takes the same mentality that helped him earn a scholarship after walking onto the team into every single arena he now steps into in life post-sport. Jackson isn't just talk. He shares a lot of wisdom on today's episode for sure, but he backs it up with actionable items that you can implement into your own life, and that's what we love about him. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete. That's BetterHelp.com slash foreverathlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. Before we dive into today's episode, take a minute to leave a review of the show wherever it is that you're listening to today. It helps us continue to bring the best stories to you each week. Now, let's kick things off with Jackson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Forever Athlete Radio. I'm joined by my good friend here, Jackson. Dude, how you feeling? I am fantastic, brother. We uh, we just finished up an eight-mile run a little bit ago, got the endorphins going, got the flow state going. Uh, I'm feeling good, man. I'm honored to be on your show. I appreciate you having me. Right, of course. And we're giving Promix is a flow state supplement here, a little bit of a try. Uh, I'm going to need it because my brain is a little bit fried after the run and then hosted our uh, Forever Athlete uh, Coffee Conversations connection. I'm like kind of blanking here as yeah. I already start. Uh, so we're going to need this flow state to uh, kick in, find flow, which shouldn't be that hard to do with you. I want to ask you because you're – four weeks into marathon training now, dude. How yeah. are you feeling with that? And actually, I want to even backtrack. Rewind the tape a little bit here. Um, how running? Because you played football. Right. And most footballers, you kind of hate running, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. where's that start? So 100%. I think, you know, when people think about football and what we always talked about, if football was like full speed for seven seconds, um, your average football play is seven seconds long. So just used to sprinting and doing things like balls to the wall effort. Um, when I got done playing football, there was a period of time where I kind of, I still worked out, still exercised, but um, it just wasn't like super intense. And when I moved in with my best buddy, Troy, at the time, um, he was super into CrossFit. So I started going to CrossFit with him. Uh, got back into kind of a competitive environment where we were pushing ourselves. And then again, like, you know, iron sharpens iron living with him. He started to run more. So with that, I was like, okay, like maybe I'll start to run a little bit more. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. I just was running. Um, and as the years passed by and things changed, you know, in society with like COVID and stuff like that, gym shut down. That was when I really started to like run run and by that I mean you know run more than just for me three miles or something like that yeah. um, and so <clears throat> started running a lot more during COVID it got up to like 16 miles one day and was like okay like I can actually do this like run what I considered a long distance um, and pretty shortly after that I actually signed up for a 70.3 triathlon and so ran that way <laughs> just <went> all in. <laughs> yeah just sent it um but did that, and then it's it's actually really funny, man, because as I've been training for this marathon, my perspective and understanding of, like, what it is like to run efficiently and train properly to run fast for a long distance, all of that is starting to make sense and has just blown my mind. Um, mm. So for me, you know, the, I think the initial question was, why running? It's not even so much running, I don't think, but it's goal you know, dial in to achieve that goal, figure out how to maximize your efforts and efficiently do things. Um, so it's a new, unique challenge that while I don't necessarily like love running, like so to speak, <laughs> yeah. I'm loving the process of getting better at something. 
Mm. You saw, you mentioned something there about setting a goal, being able to dial in and like bring intentionality towards it. It sounds like absolutely training with a purpose. How do you take that same mentality and apply it to other areas of your life? Because I think that can be a huge struggle for so many athletes is we don't have the direct correlation, right? There's that feedback element that is present when we are goal setting for a certain sport or running. Now you, I mean, you literally have this garment on your wrist telling you X pace. Did you hit it? Did you not hit it? Heart rate too high, too low, whatever. Um, How are you finding feedback and seeking feedback in your life? Whether that be in relationship, in work or other areas of your life as well, that you're making sure you're bringing the same intention to it. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I try to actually employ, which you just said, you know, when you're not playing a sport, it's easy to not do is continue to actually set goals and like set your sights on something specific. Mm. Because I think that if you're not setting goals, if you're not pursuing certain things and you're just kind of moving through life without, without a goal or without intent, then you're just literally doing just that just moving through life and you're not really necessarily going anywhere. And that doesn't mean that you can't uh, do things that feel good or have quote unquote wins. Mm -hmm. But when you're to your point, the word you use is intentional. When you're intentional about things, it's really easy to stay focused on that thing and doing the things that get you to it. Um, So like in work, for example, um, you know, if it's a promotion that you're trying to get, if it's a job, whatever the job is, you want to do, take the next step. You have to figure out, okay, what is necessary for me to do in order to take that next step? And I think it's such a cliche thing, but people talk about reverse engineering, mm-hmm. but it's real. Like reverse engineer your days, your weeks, your months, and do the things necessary to take that next step. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. But in due time, if you can stay consistent and stay committed to that process, that's a big thing I like I love to think about is this process. If you can stay committed to that process, eventually the result's going to come. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen overnight. But when you know that this is my goal, this big thing is my goal, and these are the necessary things I need to do. And each time I do one of those things, I can chalk that up as a win for myself. That's going to mm-hmm. keep you motivated and keep you flowing toward whatever the goal is. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that came up there to me is this idea of consistent intentionality. Yes. And we, we always get what we look for and yet we somehow <laughs> get frustrated when life doesn't pan out a certain way for us, Right. but we never set the intention to look for it in the first place. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, like, I don't know. Like I, all the guys or girls in the city suck for dating. It's like, okay, well, what are you looking for? Right. Did you set an intention? Are you being intentional with how you're spending your time and going out on dates or whatever that looks like? Um, But that was the theme that kind of came up for me as you were just talking was this idea of consistency. How are you staying consistent through the, the grind, uh, which I I honestly hate that word. (laughs) Um, But you know, we're, we're busy dudes. We right. got a lot going on. You got a, a wonderful girlfriend, partner, uh, healthy Absolutely. relationship there that you're spending a lot of time with. You're in the OR, you're hosting your own podcast, you're launching your own, you know, consulting business on the side as well. Like, how do you stay consistent with all of these balls that are up in the air and you're just making sure that you're actually like juggling them effectively and efficiently? Right. And moving the needle, dude. I yeah. mean, I'll be honest with you. Like, it's hard, bro. It's challenging. And I know you know this, but, you know, I moved to Austin nine months ago, almost full nine months. And I think since moving here, I've gone through some of the biggest transformation ever in my life because mm-hmm. I've had to really understand, you know, I, I say I had to, I've gotten to really understand who I am, what makes me tick what's my why? Like, why do I feel like I'm here? What I'm called to do? Um, really understand those deeper things about me that I think you have to actually, again, we talk about intention, be intentional about figuring that stuff out. Mm. And you alluded to my girlfriend, like 
she's been a tremendous help for me to get like that clarity, right? Like it's easy to be doing all the things, but not actually be moving the needle toward whatever it is that you think you're trying to do. Um, and so, yeah, you know, how do, how do I stay intentional? I mean, bro, it's an everyday battle and like journey and challenge to make sure that the things that I'm spending my time doing are actually moving that needle toward those goals. So like with work, it's like, what am I doing to make sure that I'm um, headed towards achieving or exceeding quota with the podcast? It's like, who am I connecting with that could potentially be somebody that I could speak to on this podcast that's going to add value to the listeners with the, the consulting business? You know, what am I doing to find the ideal client? It's like, you really have to um, be intentional in all those areas. And something that I thought about months ago that I think is a really good analogy for it is if you give somebody eight buckets, or excuse me, eight gallon jugs, each of those gallon jugs has, I think, 128 ounces, fluid ounces in a gallon. Um, so if you give me all these jugs and you give me 16 cups and I pour all of that water into those cups and I have 16 cups, I'm only going to be able to fill those cups up halfway. But if I have eight cups that can hold, you know, equal amount in each cup, the math is all messed up right now. But the point is... Okay, you got post, yeah, yeah. post from yeah. <laughs> The point is you can only pour so much into each of those cups. And at a certain point in time, if you have too many cups that you're trying to pour into, you're only going to be able to give, let's just say half of Mm. your effort or your energy or whatever the thing is that you're giving, you're only going to be able to give so much at a certain point in time. And so it's honestly, it's saying no to a lot of stuff too. And I'm sure you've experienced this. Like you can't, you can't do everything. Um, And so it's like getting clear on, what you want to do, what that looks like, uh, saying no to things that are probably not going to benefit you in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, like <laughs> it's, dude, it's blown my mind. The kind of like come to Jesus season yeah. that I've had, so to speak. Um, but I think, you know, how, how have I been intentional? That's really what it's been is like trying my very, very best to do things that I know are going to move the needle in the buckets that I care most about. Mm. Yeah. What about you though? I mean, you, you have a business, you host these incredible, you know, retreats and events. And like you alluded to the social club meeting this morning, like the coffee meetup, um, really doing like impactful stuff. And I think part of this whole big picture thing too is like yeah we talked about or and this and that but like you also got to take care of yourself so like how are you managing your business taking care of all these other people but also making sure like i'm you know Corey, i'm good yeah it's a it's a great question i think two plus years into doing this the biggest lesson kind of can be summed up into one sentence and it's you can do anything you want but you can't do everything and to your point where you just said i've gotten more and more clear as time has gone on on what exactly is that I one want to do and then two how am I spending my time doing it and then making sure it doesn't spill over right like actually it's gonna sound ridiculous like actually worshiping my calendar (laughs) and like being like yo you said from eight to ten you're doing x Mm -hmm. that's not starting at 805 and letting that task bleed over until 1030 right. it's 8 to 10 right so it it gets done in the the confines of that time and then i'm constantly refining that as well right so if i today set out from 8 to 10 i'm going to do three things mm-hmm. but those three tasks actually take me like i get to the end of the 2 hours i'm like oh, man i didn't really get everything that i needed to do or it didn't take me took me too long or maybe it took me too short of time mm-hmm. I'll just take note of that. And then the next time that I'm going to do similar tasks of that sort, I'll adjust accordingly and be like, okay, if it took me too little of time, I know I can do these kind of three tasks, these styles of things in 90 minutes. Right. Or if they were too big of a thing, maybe it's like, maybe I'm only looking at doing one task during that two hours, whatever that may be. Right. Just constantly playing of like, how do I find my sweet spot? How am I not overwhelmed? How do I feel 
like challenged enough where I can go into this and like really find my flow in that. So that's been huge. And then really making sure kind of flipping the script for me because the biggest challenge going solo is once you don't have a boss to report to, there's no one holding your hand and no one like checking your accountability to your own schedule. Right. So that's even more so why, why that calendar worship is so important to me is I have to make sure that I can one trust myself to a level that I am holding myself accountable right. to the things that I said I was going to get done and flipping it where now the first things that get thrown on my calendar aren't work. Right. It's stuff for me. It's reading a book. It is taking time to meditate. It's going to a breathwork class. It's getting that workout in. It's catching up with family, giving my mom, my dad, you know, my brother a call, or it's, you know, calling a friend, just checking in. Right. One of the biggest things, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the six non-negotiables for peak performance. That's when, we, when we have these six non-negotiables present in our life, we are more likely to be able to rise to the occasion and perform optimally. Mm -hmm. And what they are, sleep, which is number one. Then we have um, some form of gratitude practice. We have a mindfulness practice of some sort. We have a daily movement of some sort. We have social um, support or interaction. And then the last thing is hydration, making sure that like our brain is actually <laughs> fluid enough right. to function. Um, so those six things get scheduled in first. And then everything else gets filled in around. I'm curious to, to know your experience here in Austin, nine plus months now. Um, you mentioned an experience when we were running at Zilker Relays a few weeks back and you were with some of your boys, you're walking around and people are just saying like, what's up to you and, and all that. Right. And while it's, what I love about Austin is it's this amazing community, a lot of great people. But with that comes almost the social obligation to, you get invited to probably more things than you can ever attend right. during the week or on the weekends. How are you, how are you saying no? How are you filtering through? Like, what do you say yes to? And what do you say no to? Yeah, I think <clears throat> since if we back up to like post-graduation immediately in college, the person I was then is a completely different person than I am now. Mm. And I think that <clears throat> one of the biggest things is, getting more and more comfortable with, again, like I kind of alluded to earlier, it's like, what do I care about? What is going to serve me in some way? And not, you know, I don't want that to come off like I only do things that are, that are for me because like we got to do things for other people as well. But when it comes to, um, you know, saying no to a degree, it's like I'm not a person who likes to really go, you know, get drunk at the bar. Mm -hmm. So... If people want to go get drunk at the bar, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll come through and chill for a little bit, but I'm probably going to leave at some point before it gets rowdy like that. Cause that's really just not where I want to spend my time. Um, but one thing, one thing that I love about Austin is that it seems like everybody is kind of like cool with that. Like they're cool yeah. with whatever, you, like whatever your vibe is. Like I know you've been doing the, um, I don't even know if I would call it sober curious for you anymore, but what it's been like couple hundred days or has it been uh, it's been a year and a half a year and a half yeah. sobriety right and so like we've talked about before the fact that some people are like well why not like why don't you want to have a drink why don't you want to do this and it's like getting more and more comfortable with being like because i just don't and yeah like it doesn't really impact you at all if i don't so i'm gonna hang here and i might have my topo chico or whatever but like let's just chill and like i don't care if you're drinking like do your thing mm -hmm. um but you know, the, the initial question of like, how do you manage saying no to things? Again, I think it just comes back to, it, it, it might come off bad, but it's like, I just don't really care that much about trying to appease mm. someone else. And there was definitely a phase where I was like, no, nah, like I want to do that. Like, oh, y'all are going out. Like I got to go. Um, y'all are getting hammered. I got to go. <laughs> like, uh, but at a certain point in time, I kind of had like a come to Jesus moment. Where I was like, what is this doing for me? Yeah. And I realized like, this isn't really benefiting me in any way. Like sure. In that moment when we're turned up, like we're having a great time, but then, you know, you wake up the next morning and you're like, Oh, I feel terrible. 
you know, this wasn't good for me. Um, and frankly, in my opinion, there's just other ways to have like fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really just comes down to me realizing that like, it's okay for me to be who I am and say no to things that I don't want to do and have those boundaries and understanding that if person X doesn't want to kick it with me because I'm not doing that, then yeah. that's probably not the person I want to hang out with anyway. Um, so yeah, just like, I think it's getting more and more comfortable with who you are and like understanding that if somebody's not okay with that, then that's up to them. Yeah. I think one of my, my biggest takeaways in the past year and a half or so, um, with kind of cutting that out of my life for the time being, I don't, I've been very transparent. I don't know if it's a forever thing for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I'm just literally taking it one day at a time and kind of when I find myself in those situations, just asking myself, like, do I want to partake or do I not? And right now the answer is pretty much unanimously. No, I'm good. Um, but is this concept of like deeper level of enjoyment often comes from like short term sacrifices. If you want to look at it like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also this concept of quality time and like, really it begs this debate of, well, what makes quality time? Mm -hmm. Uh, What I found was like the issue necessarily wasn't spending time with friends at a pregame and bar. The issue for me was it was like I had certain friend groups that essentially would shame me for leaving. And I'm like, but dude, we've been hanging out for six hours. What's like another three going to really do? Right. Um, so like, how are you finding quality time in your life? And what does quality time even look like or mean to you? Because I I would argue that I can have a deep level of enjoyment and connection with my friends in an hour. Right. I don't need the, the nine hours of like pregame starts at 6 p.m. and we're out until three. Right. I think, I honestly think a lot of it has to do with actually having conversation mm-hmm. um, in in social settings, I would say. I mean, you know, Kaylin and I could sit at one of our apartments and not say a word, and that's quality time. Yeah. But also, we could talk for six hours straight. You know what I'm saying? So, like, with, with my girlfriend, I think quality time looks different than with, like, my homies. Yeah. Um, and when I think about, you know, when we're with groups of friends or when I'm with a group of friends, the content of the conversation, I think has a lot to do with the, the quality of the time. And just something that I was thinking about as you were kind of given that example of 6 PM to 3 AM, you know, getting hammered is like, are you really talking about anything or are you just, are you going to remember anything that you talked about? (laughs) Right. And it's like, are you, are you just taking shots back and forth and shotgunning beers and not really talking? Or are you Mm. talking about, Hey man, what's going on in your life? Like, how are you doing? Um, you know, what's new? Um, because I feel like in the group settings where you're actually able to have real conversation, that's when it's like, oh, well, you know, could we stay here another three hours? Like, sure. But we've also been chopping it up and like having a great time for whatever the time frame is. And if we want to, you know, call it a night now, it's like, I don't feel like I've really missed anything. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Um, I do think it's just like deeper than surface level conversation. And the illusion that I, the illusion the, the example I think about is the example I think about is I was talking to a buddy of mine once and I think I asked him how work was going or I asked him what he did. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you know, I work in oil and gas and we were kind of laughing because if he went any deeper than that, it was probably all going to fly over my head. Even that flies over my head. Right. <laughs> and, and when somebody would ask me like, Oh, what do you do? And I would say, Oh, I sell, you know, devices for surgery. And then they like, if you don't really understand what that means, then mm. sometimes it doesn't really make sense to try to go deeper. Cause you can't even really ask the right questions to facilitate yeah. a conversation around what that means. Also, I think it's just good to not talk about work all the time. So you have to find like 
meaningful conversations and things like that. And it's like, to your point, I think about all the time, the friends that I have who I might not talk to them for six months, Yeah. but then the moment we get back in the room together or on the phone, it's like, boom, that right where we left off, there. we're having these great conversations versus, you know, you can hardly string together your words and you're trying to have a conversation with somebody who you might not ever see again. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, again, it all goes back to me getting to a point where I was like, honestly, I don't really care that much anymore. Mm. And I'm not trying to, I'm not going to drink because you think I should. And in your eyes, that's going to make me fun. Like if I want to have a drink, I will. Yeah. But if I don't, I don't. And sorry but also not sorry <laughs> i like to tell people man don't make it weird yeah <laughs> like it's only weird if you make it weird right um situation and that goes for so many choices in our lives like we are all entitled to our own life experience 100 percent. and it really boils down to as long as you are comfortable and confident in making that decision for yourself you are more than entitled to it so living in that um i think is is huge um yeah man it's it's just so interesting kind of going through all of this i saw um an episode well the episode that will be two before this Mm -hmm. so that'll come out two weeks beforehand one of the things that i said in it was all on connection and what you just brought up there of like asking people at a bar like well what do you do for work and being intentional with your answer where it's like oh i'll I'll share what it is but i don't want to go too deep with fear of going overhead and the debate that I kind of had with myself or the argument I was making was like, that's such a shitty question <laughs> right. trying to connect with someone. Right. Um, it's right up there with like, Oh, well, where are you from? Because well, yes, it is. It adds value. But when you, when you're meeting someone for the first time and those are your icebreakers, mm-hmm. they're horrible because the likelihood that that you all are from the same area and that you do the same exact thing for work is literally like 1%. Right. Um, so if we can shift instead to asking better questions right off the bat, then we'll have better chances of actual connection. And honestly, those environments that you're really hanging around, like if that's in a bar, mm-hmm. I saw this the other day. It was like a guy was explaining. He was like, how interesting would you be if you led with something fun and light in the bar, like, oh, like, where's the favorite, pl- where's your most favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Right. And someone says, oh, like, I've been to Jamaica. Like, I really loved my time there. And then you were like, oh, awesome. Like, do you want to just get out of here? Like, I'll, I'll get the flight tickets. I'll probably um, end up picking up a job selling coconut water on the beach. And, like, we'll just run away together. Right. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Like, this guy is actually pretty exciting and, and right. pretty quirky. Like, okay, cool. And then eventually down the road, you drop in that you work for, you know, in that device sales or you're a investment banker. And all of a sudden now it's like, oh, shit, like that's another interesting nugget about you rather than it's the only interesting nugget about you. Right. Yeah. And it's actually really funny. I had a conversation months ago. It was actually probably me and five other guys. We were doing like a midweek Bible study. And the conversation was literally if you had to get to know somebody and you couldn't ask them, what do you do? But instead you had to ask them like, who are you or what's important to you? Or like if somebody asked you, who are you? And you had to answer without saying, you know, I do this for work. How would you answer that question? And the answers were like, Oh, well, you know, I'm Scott and my family and friends are really important to me. And I love to, read and the conversation was just way different Mm -hmm. um and i think something else is like we are not our profession or our job title like we are not that we are something completely different and that's just something that we do so it's like don't tie who you are to what you do Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's something that i've definitely i I won't say struggle with necessarily but something that i've kind of had to come to a place in my mind where i'm like hey like you know, you do this to make money, but this isn't who you are. Like Jackson Mitchell is not automatically equal sign medical device sales rep. And, you know, when I played football in college, it wasn't, it shouldn't have been Jackson Mitchell equals football player. Like 
I am Jackson Mitchell and I have these principles and beliefs and things that are important to me. And that all falls within the spectrum and realm of who I am. Mm. But these two things are just things that I happen to do. Yeah. I like to say whatever we do and how we choose to expend our time should be an expression of who we are. Right. We flip it to that. But you brought up a good point of your time at SMU. How do you, it's one thing to say that, but like Mm -hmm. how do if you were to go back and make sure that, you were maybe going to do it a little bit differently of how you're reviewing yourself, maybe not just as a football player, but add in whatever else, other ways you wanted to express yourself. How do you do that when you're kind of fighting upstream against the cultural norm, societal norm, where it's like, hey, if you're on this team, bro, like we need you to be locked in. We need you to be you got to want to be here mm-hmm. is oftentimes the message. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that message, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are going to war with these dudes every single Saturday, you're going to want them to want to be there. 100%. Because you're, yeah, I mean, quite honestly, in, in football, like your life is in some of these guys' hands. Like you have to be able to communicate effectively mm-hmm. to maybe not find yourself in compromising situations. And even still, like injuries still do happen. Right. Right. But, how do you balance that with like making sure you're all in wanting to be there, but also developing yourself holistically outside of it? Dude, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> frankly, like I, as you were leading into that, I was just thinking about myself as, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kid and thinking about my time at SMU what went what went into being a student athlete from the perspective of just time um film study practice mm-hmm. training room workouts they make it hard to to have any sort of other identity i would say um and at that time i mean dude i wore something smu football every, every day. day every day bro every day to class you guess nike what, what yeah. Were you? yeah well yeah. Dude, we were Nike, but our our gear was a little suspect when I was there. Um. <laughs> hey, we we had that at Delaware too, man. I was telling someone the other day, uh, she dove at uh, UT here, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Like, we had to return our warm ups at the end of the season." Bro. She was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, and like upper by class, you got to pick them the next season. So you could you could be like, if you're a freshman, you're getting some raggedy yeah. raggedy gear." Oh. Uh, that's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, they would wash it, right? But right. like, yeah, it's it's not ideal. But sorry to no, dude. No, that's it's so funny. I mean, it's this is a gross example of that at SMU. Like we had our workout outfit and then our practice gear, and they gave us this loop that had a like a clip on the end of it, mm-hmm. and we would just clip all our clothes to this loop and throw it in the hamper. And it would get washed. I don't know if it got washed with soap or not, but it would go through the wash <laughs> and it would end back up in our, our locker the next day. And it was just like, oh, I don't know about this. But when I, you know, back to the initial question, it's like, man, like I said, the amount of time that you spend as a student athlete, I think we, my head coach at the time, he broke it down to us in numbers, but it was like, literally more than 40 hours a week like it was a full-time job being a student athlete just doing the bare minimum yeah so then if you want to do any sort of workout on your own time or extra film study you're adding on to that while you're also balancing being a student which you know obviously has its challenges in itself like i I studied economics and i can tell you that that was not (laughs) that was not a fun ride um but I don't know, man. I mean, I don't think that (sighs) I'm trying to think of like experiences in college where I was meeting somebody and it's hard for me to think of one where it didn't come up that, you know, I'm a football player. I think it just was natural. It was easy. Uh, It was cool. Like it's just much easier to let that be who you are, I think, in that stage at least. What was it like to play a cool sport? <laughs> I'm living vicariously through you. Um, we, were, we were sat down like day one at Delaware. Captains were like, so just so you guys know, like wearing any swimming and diving gear has no clout associated to it. <laughs> Do not wear it out. Uh, to like parties and um, stuff like that. So what was it like to be playing a cool sport? Well, 
you're definitely asking the wrong guy because <laughs> SMU football while I was there was not cool. Um, you know, we and let me let me just be clear. I'm so thankful for my time at SMU playing a team sport in college, like the lessons learned in that environment that have translated to my life outside of sports are are endless. Um, I think I learned more from playing football than I did from the econ degree, honestly. But, you know, we were five and seven my freshman year. We were one and 11 my sophomore year, two and 10 my junior year, and five and seven my senior year. And at SMU, there was a stretch of time while I was there that the basketball team was really, really good. People loved the basketball team. And obviously, you know, if you're a football fan, you've heard of the Pony Express and you know that back in the day, SMU was, you know, a top tier program. Um, and I think honestly, now SMU is a really good football program again. Mm. But dude, like the number of people in the stands at the games was insane, like low. I mean, yeah. if it was an in-state school that we were playing, you would get a pretty good showing but if we played like we played central florida my freshman year and it was probably 30 degrees out it had frozen around the perimeter of the stadium and i kid you not they made tickets free to the game because they were just trying to get people in the door yeah and yeah i mean more often than not the family section was jumping like shout out mom and dad the family section was jumping off the band was always there um and people might show up for the first quarter or the first half if we were playing well against a good team. But by the end of the game, there was rarely anybody in the Anyone stands. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I mean, welcome to college swimming, man. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, we, we had to laugh. The stands were typically mom, dad, and uh, whatever people from your freshman floor that you could convince that swimming was like a cool thing to come watch <laughs> uh, for a Saturday. Right. It's like, hey, like I know that there's that day drinking party going on. Uh, come check us out. It's a really hot, humid pool. It's pretty warm. <laughs> you know, it did have that going for us when it was more like later in the season. Right. Gets, to, gets the fall, get to winter. Right. People were like, "Oh, cool, yeah, yeah." yeah. It's like kind of cold out. I don't really want to spend time outside. Yeah, I'll come, come in that humid climate of yours. But yeah, man, I feel that. How do you, like, how do you build back up excitement in that situation? Because it's like you gotta. You almost have to instill faith and belief, and it's no different than what you are doing now, right? Like, mm -hmm. you don't have the result in the resume yet mm -hmm. that is what you're shooting for, right? Whether mm -hmm. that be in the consultant business, the podcast, or anything. Mm -hmm. How do you instill blind, almost blind faith and trust in yourself that you're like, you know, we're going to create some buy-in here. You have a chance to be early to the bandwagon. Right. So it's like, what does that look like in college football? And then let me ask the same question towards like, how are you doing that now in early stages of building what you want to build out? Right. I think when I reflect on my time playing college sports, when I reflect on the teams I played on and I guess not even so much how I thought we would be, you know, each year, but just kind of the bigger general picture that honestly I haven't come to this realization until fairly recently is like my philosophy on, you know, setting goals is something that you alluded to earlier. It's like you can do anything. Um, and so when I, when I set goals, I tend to set really big goals, like really big goals and goals that people might say like, no, like you probably shouldn't do that. Or, um, that's probably not going to happen, mm. but I always believe like, I, I firmly believe that we can do literally anything. Um, so I set really big goals and I believe in myself wholeheartedly. And then it comes down to planning and executing. And so when we talk about college football experience, you know, my personal story is that I wasn't super heavily recruited in high school, but I had offers from the Air Force Academy and Stephen F. Austin. But my goal was to play what I considered big time D1 football. So, you know, we sent my film all across the country to every school and several schools got back to us and said, hey, yeah, you know, we would look at Jackson as a walk on. But the one that made the most sense from my point of view being a prestigious academic institution as well as, 
you know, a, a big time quote unquote football program was mm-hmm. SMU. And it was only 30 minutes down the road from where I grew up. So it was easy to go visit and see what that could potentially look like. Um, so went and visited. Coach said, you know, if you come here, you'll have a chance to play early. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna bet on myself and I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. And, um, you know, sure enough was able to get on the field as a true, true freshman, um, you know, four year letterman captain got a scholarship after my second season, went to media day, did some really cool stuff, but it all came back to like me just knowing that this was my goal Mm -hmm. and I had to make that happen. However I had to. So it's funny because when it comes to kind of the bigger picture of like staying, I don't even know if it's staying positive, but basically you're asking, you know, how do you shake things up when basically the football team sucked? But like, how do you create buy-in from the immediate, like the fan base, right? Yeah. Like it's man. Cause it's tough, right? If you're, if you're, if there's not a winning product on the field, mm-hmm. it's really tough to sell tickets. Right. But you need tickets to be sold and like seats to to be filled because y'all feed off all that energy, right? So it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. This kind of little paradox that you find yourself in, and it's not just this happens. I think to everyone, not just sports teams, but kind of what I was alluding to as well is like when you're blindly like trying to start something new, mm. you start putting out different style content on social media. You start. Mm-hmm a new podcast, you start something new. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you really get people in the door, listening, watching your stuff mm-hmm. when they have no idea who you are yet? Yeah. So at SMU, we, the football team literally would go to every fraternity and sorority house on a golf cart and invite them to the games and try to build that community with the student body mm-hmm. because SMU was definitely dominated by Greek life. And so we were trying to connect with the people in Greek life because if we could get them in the door, then that's how we were going to fill the stands. Um, And I think that in a way it's a direct translation to life after that, because you have to find a community, Mm. I think that um, supports you and is with whatever you're trying to do. So like if you like, let's say, if you, you know, what we feed grows, right? We got to show up where we want to go. Um, if you want to do something in the fitness space, then you need to go places where fitness people are going. If you want to do something in the, you know, farming space, like then go to a farm, go to the farmer's market and talk to the people who have their tent set up and they're selling microgreens and spinach and ask questions and just being curious and showing up. I feel like are things that will propel you so much further than you'd maybe think like you know you and I recently had the opportunity to go to Cedar Trunk Ranch out there with Devin LeVake and Matt and Amir and some of the other guys Jake Um, and it's like when I think about that experience I feel like the biggest things in in my mind that got me there were just like showing up Mm. being curious not being scared to say like you know, put your name in a bucket to maybe get to do that. Yeah. And just like, I don't know, being, being who I am, like same thing for you. Right. Like, it's like, I, let me ask you actually, what do you think it was that caused you to be chosen to be in this gym shark ad and get to go, mm. dude, I think they're like, I think they're charging like $3,500 for people to spend a weekend there. Right. Yeah. So it's like, when I look at that, it's like, man, it's really cool that we had the opportunity to opportunity to do that for free yeah what do you think it is for you that got you in the door there I think um a lesson that my coach Nick Pags taught me a few years back was flipping the script Mm -hmm. to if you want something you have to first be it Mm -hmm. so it sounds cliche but acting like I already have that right acting as if like reverse engineering of Say I want that promotion or I want to I want to get invited to something like that Gymshark experience that we had. Mm-hmm. How do I make that happen? I carry myself as if I've already made that happen. Mm-hmm. How do I make this podcast better? I carry myself. I do the preparation, and I, but I carry myself 
as if it's already happened. It's already spoken into existence. Right. Same thing with, you know, as I'm now turning the corner and getting more speaking gigs, mm-hmm. same deal, acting as if I've already been there before. Um, and that confidence is contagious. That, you know, when people speak to me about what I do and how I'm showing up and kind of where I see this thing going, mm-hmm. if I, the more clear and confident I am in that, the more likely they are then going to become, a, I would still say, like, it's still at early stage adoption. Right. Um, timing of things for me. So it's like they will then convert over to an early stage adopter. And then, you know, things like that will happen. And I'm sure you probably had a bunch of people in your network be like, yo, Jackson, like, that's dope, dude. Like, how'd you make that happen? Like, what's going on? It seems like you're putting yourself in the right place at the right time. It's like, yeah, you got to act like you already have it. You already bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing there is I think I've gotten really good at identifying very quickly how I can add value to people that I connect with. Mm -hmm. So when I connect with someone for the first time, I spend a lot of my initial time being very curious, trying to learn about them. Mm-hmm. With then that knowledge, I can say, okay, this is how I can add value to this person's life. Right. Whatever that looks like. Whether that be, hey, you're doing this, you should check this out. Or like check out this resource. Or I'm going to connect you with my boy who's doing something very similar because I think you guys can really chop it up and have a good conversation. Like adding value looks different. But when you start to be able to learn how to add value to people that are 10 steps above you, that's where things get to get really, really interesting. It's like, how do I go to Cedar Park? How do we, how do we go to that ranch and I add value to Devin? Right. Because most people that are going there are looking at it as, well, Devin's adding a ton of value to them. Right. But I can bring something a little bit different. I can add value actually to his life. Right. Same deal, I was just at Lewis House event in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and I met him, and, you know, after a short conversation, it was like, yeah, man, like, I would love to have you on the show, like, I, I wrote this book all around athlete identity, you just talked about it on stage in front of a thousand plus people, like, I'd love to give you a copy, right. um, and hear your feedback on it, and it's like, that's adding, it's not, people might hear that and be like, oh, you're asking Lewis for a favor, I'm like, no, I'm not asking Lewis for a favor, he organically spoke about that exact topic that this podcast and the book really hits on with athlete identity. Right. And I'm giving him a resource that will add value to his life. Will something come of it? Who knows? That wasn't my intention. Maybe that's planting a seed for five years down the road and the start of a, a cool relationship there. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's leading with acting like I already have it, leading with value from there. Yeah, and I think two things that you hit on. One was as you spoke about the entire philosophy there, you talked about clarity. Mm -hmm. So again, it's like being very clear and intentional about what it is that you're doing, where you want to go, the people you want to interact with, what you want, creating that. Um, The second thing that really hit me, I was having a conversation with another guy recently about that value added thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it can't just be a take, take, take game. You know, like you can reach out to somebody who you view as, yeah, they're upper echelon, they're doing what I want to do. I want to pick their brain. But I think finding, hey, what can I do for you? That is super, you know, it's memorable. And it's also like, look, man, like I bring a lot to the table too. Mm. So like, let me help you. Not only just let me only take and ask questions of you and how you got into the stage that you're on. 100%. I I tell people all the time, like podcasting, podcasting is a fantastic foot in the door. It's a very easy value add for people if they have the time for it. Um, of course, they're going to want to talk about themselves for forty minutes, <laughs> right? Type deal, right? So that's a that's an easy win, easy invitation there. Um, and then you know, also the thing that's come to mind these past few years, like I'm not afraid to pay to get get in the room, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. Right. And, and some people aren't, and that's okay. Right. We all have very different risk tolerances. And if you're listening to this, like getting clear on what yours is and what intuitively makes sense for you is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You can learn, you can take knowledge from people like me and yourself, but you have to be able to create your own game plan off of that. You gotta play to your own strengths because what naturally comes easy to me and what naturally comes easy to you, two very different things. For sure. So don't get that twisted. <laughs> 
too. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you're so spot on with the um, paying to get in places. I mean, I feel like everyone who I've spoken to who, you know, I don't want to say is crushing it, but like so many people talk about how they invested in a coach or a mentor, a business mentor, or whatever the person may be, uh, or the event, right? Mm. But like it, everything isn't free. Like there's. What do you think stops most people from that? I think, you know, in some situations, money's limited, resources are limited, mm-hmm. and in those situations, it's like, you know, people people definitely have to make decisions um, that are fiscally responsible for them. Um, you just mentioned risk tolerance. It's like I'll be the first to say that I have a pretty uh, low risk tolerance. Like mm-hmm. I'm not the first person to say like, yeah, I want to throw a G at this or that, like, that's not really who I am. Um, I think having clarity around what you want to do can help you figure out what is really worth you investing your time in. Mm. I think a lot of other, I think a lot of people too are just scared, frankly. Um, like if you, if you do have something that you want to do that you feel is big and lofty and you don't necessarily full heartedly believe in yourself yet that you can actually do it, then the thought of spending a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars or seven hundred or five hundred, whatever the dollar amount is, right? Yeah. The thought of doing that is a lot scarier when you don't necessarily know or believe wholeheartedly that it's going to be fruitful for you. Mm. If you really believe like, hey, you know, I'm gonna go to this event that is and this is the topic, this topic is exactly what I want to step into teaching about. This topic is exactly what I'm passionate about, or this is gonna help me um step into what I'm ultimately trying to do and I wholeheartedly know and believe that that's what it's going to do for me mm-hmm. well then you'll be like alright like that's a G that I'm going to get back quick once I'm done with this conference or and it doesn't even have to be quick but you just yeah. know that there will be a return on your investment and it's so funny because these are just life lessons about like you know when I bought my first bike I spent I think my very first bike I spent like $900 on it and I remember riding it and feeling like, oh man, like I can't actually do what I am able to do on this bike because it doesn't have the number of gears and it's not mm-hmm. carbon, it's not carbon fiber, it's titanium, so it's not flexible. And I went back to the bike shop and I was like, hey, um, you know, I want to do the trade-in thing where I can take the value that I spent on it and put that toward a different bike. And I ended up spending much more on my bike. Yeah. But then I was able to do the things that. I'm capable of doing on a bike because I had the bike that was built for me to do that. So it's the same thing. It's like if you want to pay $300 for the cheap event with somebody who maybe doesn't have as much to speak about in that realm that you're interested in, but you could spend two G's and go see Jesse Isler. Yeah. Um, spend the two G's, you know, I was about to say, I think to what I would, what I would tell people that don't have a, a high risk tolerance, right? Like, maybe go to the three hundred dollar event. Mm-hmm. See if it's like something you're actually serious about. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to go all in right off the bat, right? That's a good point. It it will change with time. Like, I recently did. I, I had an opportunity recently that I ended up ultimately turning down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be to be a guest on a TV show mm-hmm. where um, the investment that they were asking for was basically like I was paid to play PR uh, was 20K. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, <laughs> as much as I like, I can see the ROI I right. could, and I could justify it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not in a space right now where I, it wouldn't be financially totally responsible for me to, to put 20K. 20K down towards something. Um, but those are the kind of moves that I hope people realize some of these people that they see that are quote unquote crushing it mm-hmm. are contemplating and, and I don't say that to say like, oh yeah, look at me, I'm, cr- I'm crushing it. Right. I say that to say like, I, I want to provide a little bit more transparency behind the scenes of like what's going on. Yeah. I just had, um, what was it, last year, Flow Research Collective is where I ended up getting certified as a, a Flow State coach. Mm-hmm. And I believe the investment for that program was 16 weeks and I want to say it was about 10 10k yeah and it, that's a lot of money it's no way around it it is a heavy investment 
but you know, quickly after I knew it was something I'm fascinated about, something that I really wanted to learn a lot more about, and I knew it was something that could immediately increase my credentials. Uh, however, I knew I had been doing this for a few years, so that investment made more sense at that time. Right. If people are just starting off, there's no, there's nothing wrong with going for the fifty dollar course or the three hundred. Again taking an assessment for yourself, where are you at, what makes sense for you, mm-hmm. and then investing accordingly. For some people, that $50 investment is as scary and as much of a decision as a 20K, 50K, 100K investment is for other people. For sure. And that's important to recognize, just making sure that you are, when we're talking about investing yourself, and I think rolling the dice on yourself, doing so in a way that is smart, but also stretchy right it's gonna it's gonna force you to show up different right you I committed 10k to a course I showed up every day (laughs) for that course and I like made sure I was asking all the questions of the coaches when I did have access to them I was making sure I was active in the community when I had access to it Um, that's how you get the most out of it so if you can only afford a $50 thing dude like show up and get everything every penny you can get out of that $50 because it's going to stretch tenfold when you do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the underarching theme there that I'm hearing too is clarity. Yeah. You knew Flow State Research Collective, Flow State Certification was something you were serious about, was going to help you propel yourself forward Forward, excuse me, in the coaching space. You showed up every day intentionally, and it has done that. But you were very clear on this is what I need to do. Yeah. So it all tied back to like having that clarity of knowing this is what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. How do you get clarity for you personally? Like what's that look like for you right now? Like what are you doing to intentionally get clear on things or do you feel pretty clear right now? I feel like it's a lot of swinging and missing. Okay. Uh, You know, you try different things. I'm definitely the type of person who my brain just runs like a million miles an hour all the time. And I always have a new idea popping up about, oh, I could do this and this and this and this. Um, and I think it's literally just swinging and missing or like throwing throwing it at the wall until it sticks. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's just like anything else that if you if you've played sports or if you're familiar with sports, it's like just getting reps and reps yeah. and reps and figuring out what works and fine tuning the things that work and trying to make them really really good. Um, so yeah, I think you know when it comes to like selling, it's like if you walk into a cold call and you have your pitch and it doesn't work, well. Maybe you tweak the pitch. Maybe you need to tweak the pitch. If you're talking to a client about how can they, you know, optimize their day to day so that they are feeling good and they're in a good mental headspace, and you suggest, um, you know, time blocking, meditation, gratitude practice, X Y Z thing, yeah, and you know, maybe they come back to you and they're like, "This isn't this isn't doing it for me." Well, then you got to tweak something because if you keep telling them to do the same thing and it's not actually benefiting them, then what are you, what value are you adding to them? Mm. Um, so I feel like it's being able to be agile, um, try new things and accept when they don't work and yeah. then pivot and, you know, try the next thing. How do you know when it's time to walk away from something or tweak it? Cause that's, that's a, a very, tough thing for a lot of athletes but I think we can be really stubborn mm-hmm. uh, and rightfully so right like I don't know the first time you picked up a football like did it come naturally to you or did it take like some stubborn like I'm just not gonna stop and then eventually you broke through mm-hmm. how do you differentiate and, like when is it what are the signs you're looking for in whatever activity to be like you know I think I'm being stubborn. I think I need to to put this down and walk away from it. Right. Um, Man. When I think about football, I mean, when I first started playing, I was like a fat little kid. So... Love it. I played... You're far from that now, my friend. (laughs) I appreciate it. I played like... I played offensive line and defensive line until... Until I was like 15, I think. So I moved to linebacker my 
sophomore year in high school. Um, and then obviously played and, and did well. And I think that, you know, obviously I was an okay football player, but I think that my work ethic was what set me apart. Um, and that's something that I still employ to this day. Like, I don't think there's a person out there that has the work ethic that I do. Um, I've seen it firsthand. It's it's pretty pretty intense, man. In, in like a good way. I appreciate that, bro. For real. Um, likewise, likewise. Appreciate it. But you know, when it comes to, I think in this stage of life, when I've had moments of like this isn't it, I've really, I've felt that I've gotten myself to a point where I'm like mentally, physically, just exhausted. Mm. I think that. One thing I definitely believe in is this whole um, quote unquote fake it till you make it like that that was the initial introduction of it into my like psyche it was fake it till you make it and you can always do uh, whatever the thing is I still think there's truth to that I still think that you can quote unquote fake it till you make it but I also think at a certain point it's not healthy to fake it till you make it mm-hmm. because if you're going through a tremendously difficult time and you're not feeling the way that you feel and actually allowing yourself to feel that, but you keep telling yourself like, nah, fam, I'm a dog. Like I got this, like, which don't get me wrong. Like I believe those things, but I also have come to a point where I have to be real with myself too, of like, this is probably not sustainable. This is probably not healthy. Mm. Um, This is probably not benefiting me in any way to, to keep putting on this facade to myself and to everyone around me that like, yeah, like this is it. Um, I think for a long time I would have continued to do that and mm-hmm. just portrayed like everything was perfect. But I think that I've found that it's better to be like, you know what? I'm giving it what I got every day and not every day is perfect. And sometimes this sucks but I'm going to still give it my best because that's all we can do is just give our best. Um, but I think knowing how you really feel and owning how you really feel is really important. And at a certain point in time, when you hit that burnout, and maybe that burnout's not going away, mm. at that point it's like, all right, maybe I, need to, maybe I need to change something. Maybe I need to reevaluate this situation. Yeah, I like to think of Russ and him talking about uh, delusional confidence Mm -hmm. and like really having this almost delusional confidence in the sense of self. Right. Um, But to your point there, I think that is a very admirable trait when it is coupled with this ability to take a step back um, and look at big picture, right? Like obviously there's going to be days where you show up and like it's a a grind, It's, it's tough. Right top performers are able to push through that. Right. Top performers are also able to take a step back and say, huh, it's now been six weeks of me feeling like everything I'm doing is a fucking grind. <laughs> right. I should probably change something up here, right? 100%. Like I tell people all the time, man, like sleep is the number one non-negotiable that like when you get dialed in on sleep, the quality of your life will improve. It's not to say if you got a poor night's sleep the night before, you won't be able to do what you need to do the next day. Right. If we look at it as just one-off scenarios, then like we can still power through it and get what we need to get done mm-hmm. and have that delusional confidence. But then we also want to make sure that we're not so delusional, so aloof that we're missing the point that like, huh, maybe me going out every single weekend until 3 a.m., Friday night and then doing it again Saturday and then feeling like crap all day Sunday and like going into the week after that being like, I don't know why I'm tired. I can't focus. <laughs> it's like, hmm. okay, you didn't look at the bigger picture. That's the behavior that you've been doing for the past five years. Right. Yeah. No wonder it's like not serving you. Can you do that every once in a while? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but those were just the things that kind of came to mind there. I want to kind of ask you, um, the, the fast five, if you have listened to the show before, we know we have this closing tradition of uh, fat, rapid fire, one sentence, one word, answers. Oh boy. Um, and they're, they're quick, man. They're easy. Number one is, what is your go-to podcast that you're listening to that's not named Walk On Mentality? <laughs> man, I listen to the Bear Performance Podcast. 
Beautiful. Bonus question. Uh, do you listen to your own podcast? I have. I tend not to because I don't love to hear myself speak. Uh, but, you know, I got to listen to it to edit it. So this is more than a one-word answer, but oh, I, I listen to edit. Yeah. Oh, good. I was, I'm just curious because same. Like, I've never. Do you? Yeah. My mom will text me. She'll probably text me and be like, hey, you didn't catch this. And I'm like, I, I, thanks for telling me because I never would have thought that. I don't really listen to them back. Right. I have the conversation and then I edit it. So then why not, right? Right. Um, number two, what's your go-to book or favorite book you've read in the past year? Dude, this is bad. This is really bad. You haven't read in the past year. I haven't read a whole book in the past year. Okay, nothing wrong with that, man. Number three, what is something that you can't live without? I mean, my girlfriend, obviously. She's listening. Right, right answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? Um, man. I know you can edit this, so I'm, I'm really thinking through. <laughs> We're going to leave this dead stat. Yeah. I don't think that I could live without being able to move my body, honestly. Mm. like that, man. Number four, what's a quote that you live by? I mean, it's a Bible verse, but... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's to say that, you know, we can do literally anything. Love that, man. I'm hearing that a, a huge theme in, in your journey and just in your mentality. And I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Last one. If you could sum up your focus right now in just one word, what is that? Impact. Beautiful. Jackson, man. You made an impact on me today, this conversation, those listening in. I just want to acknowledge you for bro, the way that you show up and you touched on it, this work ethic piece, but seriously, it's, um, it's been rare that I've come across people that say they work hard and then like actually embody it. So I want to acknowledge you for that and just the way that you consistently show up in all of these areas. You're like, it doesn't matter if it's a CrossFit workout, it's like max cal assault bike sprints or running out on the trails. Like you're, you you find some way to find yourself on the top, uh, and I know that's not always been the case for you. So I just want to acknowledge that work that you're putting in to get there. Where can those listening in find more of you, what you're doing in this world, and just connect with you? I really appreciate that. First of all, bro, um, and I I echo that to you. Um, you're getting after it in all facets of life, so it's it's an honor to know you, bro. I'm glad that we've been able to connect. Over the last few months, both being new to the city, uh, it's truly, truly a blessing to know you. Um, but for those of you listening who want to tap in with your boy, uh, that's J Mitch Doe on Instagram, which is J M I T C H D O E E, and then at Walk On Mentality Health. That's my company. Uh, that's also on Instagram. We've got the Walk On Mentality podcast on Spotify and all those streaming platforms, Apple Music, you name it. Um, would love the support. And I appreciate you guys for listening. My last ask, if you're listening, go like, review, share this man's podcast, and like throw us a bone or two while you're at it, right? Like if you're already <laughs> in the comment section, you're in the review section, two for one special, hit us both up. Jackson, man, again, I appreciate you. And if you're tuning in here, I appreciate you being here. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Give the show a share with someone in your life that you want to continue to develop a connection with as you continue to forge your way forward. And as always, until next week, flow on, my friends.